Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Back to the Neil Haley Show, also the media giant effect. And I'm excited first to welcome my co-host, my special co-host, Dr. Ted does wisdom teeth wisdom and some celebrity stuff himself. I yeah, you played with Dog the Bounty Hunter pool and different celebrities, and he's he's a celebrity oral surgeon. Uh Dr. Ted, Dr. Ted, what's going on? And I know you're excited about our guest today. I am. This is gonna be fun. I'm enjoying uh having the chance to to say hi. Yeah, it's just a fun thing about what the media giant does. He brings celebrities in their own field to the celebrities on the screen in different places. And I'm excited to welcome to the show, Allison Arngrim. Allison is from Little House on the Prairie and you were the bad girl in Little House on the Prairie. I look yeah. forward to hearing more about that. I did watch Little House on the Prairie, but I would say I was not at all the time watching it. I have a friend that is a huge fan of the show, but Allison, thanks for stopping by. We're going to learn about your latest projects. And you told me Perfect. how busy you are with a bunch of yes. different things. So thanks for stopping by. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. So Allison, let's just jump right into specifically enough. Did you always want to be an actor? Was that growing up what you wanted to do? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, I got my first job when I was five. So how long was I waiting? I don't, I mean, what, what does that mean? My whole family were in show business. And for some kids, they're sort of like drag kicking and screaming to the audition. So it wasn't that. It was like, well, every, everyone I know is doing it. My family, all of my friends. It was like, I thought every, I thought everyone was in show business. It was one of those <laughs> situations. But so I got my SAG card. Yeah. When I was five. So wow. uh, I started working then and doing commercials and things and TV shows. And then I was about 10. I did a movie that was a trip i did a movie called throw out the anchor with richard egan and dina merrill um it was sort of a ripoff of houseboat with Sevilla. <laughs> and, uh we did that and then what's funny is is that i didn't work a lot after the movie and my father who was managing me and and other people said well you know a lot of child's actors they work a bunch when they're like six and seven and eight and then they don't work till after 18 or they don't work at all so i got the your career might be over speech at 11 <laughs> and then I got Little House at 12. So people always say, are you doing a comeback? And I go, no, Little House was the comeback. I'm, I'm on like my 57th comeback at this point. Oh, my goodness. I look at my my days in, in professional wrestling, Allison, the same thing. And Dr. Ted, that, you know, I could make a comeback at 50. I did. I, I retired from wrestling at 29. But then I made two, three little mini comebacks into the ring a couple of times in that 25 year span. Uh, and it's just something that, you know, you never know. So you never know about anything. I thought, oh, I'm, at one point when I was running my tutoring business, I'm not going to do celebrity interviews anymore. And look what I am today. So we just never know the way the business works, the way it's just it's it's a journey for sure oh yeah yeah no i mean when you look at you know some of the the greats of the years the bob hopes the carol channings the older stars betty white these people didn't retire they were working and appearing on tv at 98 99 100 years old so yeah why did that's why they let they lived so long you nailed this it betty true. white this is true my doctor has said you know if you can really not retire it would probably be best if you must retire, then, you know, do, you do something else. You take on some other thing. You go back to school. You do some major thing with your life. He said the people who retire literally don't do anything. He said they'll get sick. They'll get sick. He said I can't do anything for them. They just everything starts to fall apart if you're not doing anything. Sitting disease. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah, and, 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 and the lack of a goal kind of thing. Yeah. True. But, but looking at George Burns with all those cigars. You know, that he smoked all the way up until he was 100 and acting all the way through Betty White. Uh, I don't know how people do that at that age. It's, it's crazy. And, and that just shows the value of keeping active just like you. 
Right. Because some of them was like George Burns. It's really a healthy like habit. And yet he lives up because, yeah, the working, having somewhere to be, somewhere to go, it, it really it, it makes a huge difference. And the pressure, the pressure keeps you active. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But good pressure. Fun. Yeah. Pressure. Yeah. I'm always doing something. I just haven't. So I did a, I did a movie in 2020 called uh, even in dreams. Uh, I've been doing when everything shut down. Uh, I just started doing my stand-up show online on stageit.com. And I have one coming up uh, in December on Friday, Friday, the 16th, I believe. Um, so I have a December show. And then I've been doing a lot of readings on Facebook. I started reading the little house books to people oh. live on Facebook. And that was so much fun. I put on a bond. I go, we're going to read Little House in the Prairie today and just read the things. And that just turned into a whole crazy thing. Um, so I still do some of that. And now I'm traveling and stuff. And there's been so many autographs. Little House in the Prairie is coming up on its 50th anniversary. 2024 is 50 well, I'm years gonna, since Little House so started. When, when is it 50 years? 2024? 50 years, 2024. Oh, you're, said, you're already going to be back on the bed, but I think you're going to be on more. I love your publicist, so we'll figure out topics and stuff. I think we could have fun on those conversations. So, Dr. Ted, what question do you have for Allison? Yeah, what do tell. You know, I, even the little bit of speaking that I do, if it has to be something that's prepared, I, I just don't understand how actors and actresses are able to prepare, especially at, at, at the, the young age that you started in. How, how does a young actor get lines down how do you learn it well it's a bit of work but i mean you're also it's almost easier when you're a child because what are you doing all day in school please memorize this alphabet please memorize these multiplication tables now yeah. you're learning how to read please memorize what all these words and how they are they're spelled as an adult you're usually not having to memorize the spelling of lists of 50 words and and memorize endless math problems could you please memorize the pledge of allegiance and the beginning of the declaration of independence you're, you're memorizing all this stuff all day in school they're asking you to recite things so you're yeah. kind of just sort of a regular thing you're doing when you're nine um so it's like here go memorize this stuff and then of course with tv you have the wonderful advantage of you shoot a scene at a time you know you might shoot a scene it's four or five lines and then it's cut because you're going to the next thing now doing oh. theater that's a bit of work and doing theater when you're young is quite something because you may have two or three acts and that's yeah. there's no cut yeah, but wow. then you also went into stand-up right yeah i started doing stand-up when i was about 15 which yeah he's, he's really young but this is crazy um, it was crazy because well, you're on a TV series. People tend to like either they sing or do something so they, they can go on talk shows. And mm -hmm. I, I couldn't sing or dance. So I took up stand up comedy and it <laughs> suited me. I don't I don't I think it was watching all those Carol Burnett shows as a kid and she would come oh, yeah. out and take questions. I went, oh, God, I want to do that. So I wound up you know, talking to the audience and so much fun but yeah i mean absolutely and now i have a whole like hour and a half one woman show and it includes a q a but yeah absolutely there's a whole scripted piece you know she was brilliant with audiences yeah go ahead what were you gonna say dr oh i was gonna say carol burnett was brilliant with audiences and that's what that's what I love. And that's why I love doing the Q&A thing in my stand up, because it just it reminds me of the old Carol Burnett show and all the improv. Yeah, cool. I love improv, by the way. And I'd love to maybe do a little like, you know, whose line is it anyways? I'd like to try something with you at that at the end. If we want to try that. See that. <laughs> I guess, again, I'm a former pro wrestler, so I can go with the flow, which go and come up with some characters, say this and this, and Ted could come up with this storyline. And let's do it. We'll see what we do at the end. That'll be fun to finish up. This is what I like about it. It's my show. I can do damn what I, I want. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, <laughs> the power. So how did you become the, considered the bad girl of Little House? See, I well, don't know this. I'm going to have, and I know Little House is on Insp Inspiration TV all the time. and It's on everything, everything 24 hours a day yeah, yeah, in exactly. 140 so, countries. Exactly. It's crazy. It, you know, constantly. I can go right into a, and, and find it. But tell me about Bad Girl. Explain that to me. Right. Yeah. Well, see, obviously, Little House in the Prairie is based upon the books by Laura Ingalls Wilder, which she wrote nine books, starting with Little House in the Big Woods, Little House in the Prairie, Farmer Boy, et cetera, on and on, Little, little Town on the Prairie, et cetera, et cetera, covering her whole childhood. And uh, then these got optioned for a book, and Michael Landon, who just come off Bonanza, was a huge star. So NBC said, hey, we should give you your own show. And he's like, I want to do Little House in the Prairie. And they said, you're crazy. He said, no, I want to do Little House in the Prairie. So next thing you know, he's Paul Ingalls. So it's all about from Laura's point of view, played by Melissa Gilbert. But you see, they go into town and the town, there is the store, it's a general store run by the Olsons and the very nice Mr. Olson and the hideous, awful, mean Mrs. Olson. And they're spoiled, horrid, horrid children, Nellie 
and Willie. And I am Nellie Olson, who is Laura Ingalls Wilder's arch enemy, who she wrote about in her books and wrote about in more than one book in Little Town on the Prairie. She kept going and writing about her as, as a teenager because she tried to steal her boyfriend, uh, Almanzo. And, and she was just she was just so awful that she marked Laura for life to the point she wrote about her in her books. Oh, my. That's a reputation to carry around with you. And it technically took three people to be me. I, I found out when you do study the history of Laura that she's based on three different horrible girls who bullied and tortured her, that she combined into one person. That, that's She's like that bad. Um, so, yeah, during the course of the show, I uh, abused stuttering children. Um, and there's a poor girl whose one leg was shorter than the other, and I was cruel to her. And then, of course, mostly cruel to Laura and uh, her sister Mary. And um, generally cheated on tests, uh, broke things, smashed things, screamed, yelled, stole, cheated. Yeah, as usual. And you kind of played that off in your stand-up, right? Based well, yeah, because people hated me. I start it was this whole bizarre story. People calling me, well, a bitch in the street, and and people throwing things uh, really? at me. You're just kidding parade. me. You seriously? Really? That was oh my Still, people, my friends, people will say, you're, you're friends with her? <laughs> Why? And this is 48 years later. My poor husband, people are like, you're married to her. Oh, God, what's that like? You know, people <laughs> still are terrified of me. It's that. And so, yeah, I just wrote about the whole insanity of being an ex-child star and having people hate you for things you did when you were 12. It's quite bizarre, but it's pretty darn funny, too. You think did you about that. Time with, did, did you have a hard time with that when you were, when you were younger? Not really. I mean, it was weird, like right away. But as soon as I read, I I didn't I hadn't read the books, and I didn't know about Nellie until I got the show. So I had to like go read the books. Go, whoa, this girl's horrible. But as soon as I got the pages of the audition, I was in shock. I said, "This my father says, girl's horrible. What is happening?" And then as soon as I got, I was like, "Oh man, okay, I'm the villain." Yeah. Okay, now what? And so I, I ran with it. I always liked villains in movies and TV shows, so I thought it was great. Um, but yeah, I was surprised at apparently I did a better job than I thought because um, people were actually afraid of me and hated me. So that was kind of stunning. See, everyone likes to be the bad guy. Okay. And my, as a professional wrestler, I love playing a bad guy more than the good guy. Completely. Okay, completely. The wrestling thing, seriously. When I was in parades when I was young and I'd go down the street and people sometimes they would boo. You know what I would do? I would do this thing. I would do this thing of like the wrestler. Yeah. Of like the evil wrestler characters. I that's totally what I was doing at the time. It's been so, so great, the good guy versus bad guy and being a villain. And I know that people as actors love to play villains, but again, younger, it's understanding. But to know that people hated you, who do you think of other child stars people hated as much as you? That's a great question. Oh, I don't know. Many. Because... I mean, um, oh, gosh, that marvelous actress was opposite Shirley Temple back in the day, who was just, uh, um, yeah, she was just marvelous. She was just so mean. Uh, Jane, and she played a child villain, but still, okay. The closest to really a scary child going back in the day. I mean, now it's, you know, villains are more popular, but Patty McCormick, who was in the movie, The Bad Seed in the fifties. And that was shocking. She was actually a child murderess in the film. <laughs> and um, of course I saw that movie like 800 times before I got a little house out there. <laughs> Tells you something, but yeah, no. And she's very well adjusted. And um, she was the scariest child, I think in cinema in, until me. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. Until you, and you wouldn't think about that. And that's a question to ask. Is there anyone out there like that now? I don't know. That's a hated. Oh, I don't know if there's any young girls. I mean, one of the problems that we have, of course, with reality TV, but that's, that's a real problem for like the young kids because it's, it's you. And as we know, with reality TV, things are scripted and they set up scenarios like you're going to be the bad one and you're going to be the nice one. But for children, they don't really know that. And it's not scripted, scripted, like you are playing this person named this other thing. It's your name. And they're saying that little Susie is the bad child in a reality show. And that gets weird because people watching it, she's not playing quote apart and so then they hate her her i hey i was in a wig and a dress and had a different name so i'm like you wouldn't mean man uh, <laughs> so it was a much healthier situation but you know who actually is a marvelous actor and he left he got out he got out of television just went back to theater was uh the young guy who played king joffrey on game of thrones Oh. was so horrifying and he was playing the young like 15 year old evil king and man he was good but it was so intense and he had come out of a very serious theater background so when people in the street started coming up to him and yelling and screaming he's like oh no i'm not i'm not doing this he quit 
he finished Game of Thrones and then he said, yeah, that's it. I'm going back to theater because this thing where people scream at you is just like too weird. Now, being I, the villain, I, I came up with another one, but go ahead, Ted, with your question. Well, being the villain is such a contrast to what your mother did being the voice for Casper the Ghost. So my she, mother was in charge of my mother was voice cast for the friendly ghost. Yes, exactly. It was the nice ghost. And then she was also the the witch, the little uh, witch was, you know, the good witch and uh, Wendy, the witch. And she was nightmare, the horse, all the, all the nice ghost characters. And she's Gumby. And she was sweet Polly purebred on underdog, underdog's girlfriend. And then Davy of Davy and Goliath. So, yeah, she played the nicest cartoon. She was the nicest cartoon character in the world. She was all the nice no. people. Um, she later got to play a villain here and there in, in her um, live work on TV and stuff and film. Uh, she had an episode of She's the Sheriff and she was the villain and she almost wasn't going to do it. She said, I don't think I can do this because the character, she's so she's the villain at the end. and She's terrible. And she punches this man. And I, I said, oh, come on. Come on, we're related. I was Nellie Olson for seven years. I, I know you can do this. I actually coached her to play a villain in a sitcom. And, oh, wow. and she was fantastic. She was so good. Huh. She completely nailed it. <laughs> oh, perfect trainer. Yeah, right? Completely. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go to your current projects right now, especially yes. coming up Pinehurst, North Carolina, in a week, I guess the 17th to 20th. Yes, the 17th November. is opening night. Yes, yes. yes. So, so let's talk about where this is a little different than this is stand up or not stand up. This is not stand up. Play. We're doing right. serial yeah. theater. Yeah, I guess I do my show, Confessions of Prairie Bitch, which I do off in New York and LA. But I also do real theater. And a few years ago, I did Agatha Christie's, and then there were none. Uh, and it's this place, the Judson Playhouse here in Pinehurst, North Carolina. In fact, I'm off to rehearsal in a few minutes. Uh, and so November 17th is opening night, and we're doing The Mouse Trap. Now, this is the longest, most successful running play ever. It's like Cats is the longest running musical and Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap is the longest running play. It's huge. And it's the 70th anniversary of The Mousetrap. So they're doing it all over the place. They're doing it in London. They're doing it everywhere. So here in North Carolina, we're doing it at the Judson Playhouse, which if you are down near Judson, you know where that is. So go out Airport Road there. And the Judson Playhouse does really great stuff. So the 17th and the 18th and two shows on Saturday, two shows on Saturday and then Sunday. And I play Mrs. Boyle, who is not a nice person to put it mildly. It's, so in Agatha Christie plays, there's always these characters in a law, like locked in a house and they all have a secret. And so, and then people start getting murdered. It's generally how things go in Agatha Christie. And everyone has some terrible secret that they're hiding. And usually they're really remorseful, but there's always one character who has no remorse whatsoever. And that's me. I always play that one. So I am the unpleasant and remorseless and extremely annoying Mrs. Boyle. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so other projects going on. You said your one woman show, comedy. So much is going on. So I'm doing this. And then December, um, it's a Friday night, December 16th, uh, stageit.com. I'll be doing my stand up show from my living room. And you can log on to stageit.com, get a ticket there, and watch it in your living room. So that's really cool. We're doing that. Uh, December 3rd, I'm helping out my friend, Ketty Lester, who's Hester Sue on Little House, but she's also the woman who's saying, Love Letters back in the 60s, Love Letters Straight from the Heart. And she's performing again at 80, talking about comeback, she's 87. And wow. she's going to be at uh, down there at the Gardenia in Hollywood. So I'm going to be at that. Um, there's a bunch of autograph shows coming up. And as I said, some of them I had, I can't come see you all in person in Bakersfield. Everyone is going to the big Bakersfield Comic Con with the cast of Little House. I'll do a video. I'll see you then. Uh, I've been doing cooking videos also on YouTube. And uh, I'm preparing to go back to france i do a lot of shows in france so i'm gearing up for that again wow okay amazing stuff so i'm gonna throw dr ted you come up with a scenario with us yeah, playing yeah. two characters go ahead mm -hmm. ted you uh, this is it think of whose line is anyway it's really simple stuff but we have to play two different characters and yeah. go and then we'll i see. love improv i was i was at lembex for yeah, i'm ready oh I, I don't know if i can do this <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, she, th th that makes it the fair thing. Cause if we come up with it, we can come up with the storyline. So yeah. I'll, give you, I'll give you just basically, sure. she's the bad, okay. bad, bad girl. I'll be somebody negative and terrible. We can yes. go with that. That'll make it really, yeah, that, that really so makes some simple. scenario so that, where you have an awful person. Okay. An awful person. Not, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. And basically an awful person that I'm asking out on a date. Oh, so I, the, so I'm, I'm trying to get a, a date, a date. Yeah. 
Yes. Great, fabulous. Okay, where are we? Do you know where we are? We are going to be, uh, no, Ted has to pick the area. Go ahead. He has to pick it. Where Where are we? What's the and what, what, and, and what, what, what national, what, like, oh. uh, where, what area and country and all that go? Does it have to be in the U.S.? I was thinking yeah. London. London, anyway. perfect. And I'll do the London accent. Perfect. Oh, so we're in London. London, yes. And you're, oh, you're because, so, so I'm, I'm British. Go ahead, Ted. What, um, uh, is she going to be British as well? Uh, sure. Okay. Well, that's not a problem. I've been British all week in this play because I uh -huh. am doing <laughs> oh, there you go. the mousetrap for heaven's sake. Now come up with our names. Come up with our names. Come on, Ted. This well, you've got to be Nigel. I'm Nigel. Very nice to meet you today. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, let's see. Allison. Well, um, Alicia. Alicia. Okay. Oh, it is all right. Alicia. Okay. I can be Alicia. Okay. Thank so, you. what is it kind of pub? Is it, is it, is not, tell us what Nigel's like, or I'll come up with what it is. Okay. All oh, right. yeah. Yeah. You can do it. Like, now, are we in a pub or are we at a bus yeah. stop? Do you know where we are? Yeah. yeah. I like a pub just because you've got libations and, uh, you know, all, uh, well, kidney you pie. Ask and... lady for a date at the pub. All right. Okay. Then. Perfect. Let's do that. And it's just two minutes. I'm Alicia. I'm having a nice, simple a pint down at my local pub. Hello, right nice to meet you. I'd like to buy you a drink. Can I, madam? All right, then. I'll have a bath, thank you. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit, what is your name? I'm Alicia. And what's your name? My name is Nigel. I am the Duke of York, and I'm very happy to be in this pub. And I usually, the, the people around here are very, very pedestrian but i saw your beauty and i felt i was going to ask you out on a date are you interested well, can you really i mean down here in this pub it's very nice of you to come hang with the commoners as it were but i mean would your security team approve it i mean you're the duke of york and you're just asking a random lady out in the pub well very nice i didn't need i would make sure that happens i kind of escaped i said i'm gonna go out and go find me a chick and i said well i'll come here and i knew that there would be some pedestrian that would not care that i am a duke i see However, the fact that you've referred to myself and everyone else here in this establishment as a pedestrian, and, and the fact that you just referred to your seeking companionship as finding a chick. A that chick, yes. Really. Very, very, because you know who I up. am, and I just need to have a good time tonight. And I thought, well, if I go to a place where, you know, most of the women are very loose, I thought that this is a place to go. You know, I've heard these stories about the royal family, but you're only confirming the worst gossip so far. I mean, oh, yeah, really, that you assume that just because a lady is in the pub having a nice pint on a Sunday, that she's automatically loose. I mean, can't a woman Absolutely. Because do you see, you see the brilliance that I am and how many women would be dying to be with me? Just the sort of self-absorbed, egotistical nonsense that we can only expect from members of the royal family nowadays. You know, it's not like the old days. You know, Queen Elizabeth and her sort, these were dignified people back then. Now this younger generation of royals, well, look, look, look what you get. Are you kidding me? Courting women I, down I am, the I am absolutely very upset. I am going to not just buy you a drink. I am going to buy you a hotel room tonight. Don't you see that as such a great thing? You're carrying on as if I'm a prostitute. This is just the sort of thing one expects now from the upper class. Disgraceful. Good day. Oh, I am. Oh, I guess I'll go over to this bar here. It's a kind of a dancing club. I'll see you later. I suggest you try another establishment, Your Highness. Good day. That's All fun. right. <laughs> yeah, that was that. Duke strikes out. That was out. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. That was great. I, I've, I've done that once before, and that, that that was fun. I would love to go to acting courses and stuff because I enjoy it. One, th this is a final right. thing. I auditioned once. Okay, I have. Okay. A, I'm an aspiring actor. I'm turning fifty in January, and I'm not been wrestling. Oh, I, I'm a big. Oh, thank you. But basically, um, I always had this aspiring thing that I wanted to act. Then they gave me this one time, one acting opportunity where they wanted me to memorize lines and it was mm -hmm. so long and it was something where there were lines for, to try to be like this conservative talk show host. And it was just, it just wasn't me. 
I feel that what is your recommendation when you're like auditioning with memorizing lines? How do you memorize like three? It's a lot of work. You may have to take longer. You may have to tell someone if you're auditioning, you may have to say, I need, I need more time. Cause sometimes it's like your auditions tomorrow. And if it's like pages and pages, you may have to tell, look, I am new at this. This is going to take me a couple of days to get this together. Uh, and they'll do that. And then some auditions they'll say, that's nah, okay. We don't care. You can read, but of course you'll have to learn them eventually. So you may want to ask for more time. And then the other is it's great. When you read a part and you go, wow, wow, this is way not me. Now, of course, a real actor goes, oh, goody. And it's like, okay, yes, absolutely. When I get a part and go, I would never do that. Oh, great. Uh, because obviously Nellie Olson's like, I'm not going to do all those things Nellie Olson did. I'm not a horrible person. Um, but that's the fun of it. And then you go, okay, what mental hijinks do I have to do mental Olympics here to make myself believe that I'm this person here on the page and and actually i actually believe all of these weird things that this character says he believes that i i don't believe and and try to like turn your brain around into it now what if i was this person what if i just absolutely thought i was dead to rights to 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 say and do all these dreadful things that this right. character does it's kind of fun it's very free all right well i'm good good advice uh, Dr. Ted, last question before we find out again, Allison, where we're going to go ahead and uh, check out uh, your latest projects, best things, and especially Pinehurst, if you're in the Pinehurst. Yeah, yeah. It certainly sounds like variety is in your career, right? Yes. I, I, all the different things that you've done. How is, is stand-up more difficult than anything else you've done? So, I mean, and a lot of actors will say stand-up's the hardest because it's you, you know, with, with the play, you have the script to lean on. You you just, yes, you, you say memorizing, but you know, I'm only having to say these words. I don't have to make up any new ones. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. you've got the other actors and the director and the set and the whole thing. You're somebody else and the costume and everything. Whereas with stand-up, it's you, it's you. It's your idea and you're saying this stuff and you're there and the audience is right there. And if they don't like it, yeah, it's pretty much on you. Um, if it works, then, hey, it's all on you. Um, so so stand-up is extremely difficult uh, and doing a one-person show, extremely difficult, but I, mine seems to work. It has worked out for me. Um, theater can be quite hard depending on the character and the production. Um, Judson always does really great, like good old-fashioned plays, stuff like Agatha Christie, the classics, which is just fantastic. Um, and I think I think people will like this show. As I said, this show, it's its, it's, its 70th year, but it wow. still holds up because what everybody loved the movie knives out it's like if you like all these kind of everybody in the house and who's the killer it's yeah. like this is your kind of show so yeah totally yeah. come come see mousetrap no when's knives out two coming out i think it's soon right i think it's right. coming yeah, out. It's like it doesn't get any second is it out yet i'd like i can't no, I, 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 I can't wait till knives out two is out okay yeah, right all right so so best place to find information first purchase tickets for yes, the play. Yes. Um, Judson Theta, and that's T-H-E-A-T-R-E, Judson Theta um, is on the internet. You can find them and you can buy tickets there. Absolutely. The Judson Theater in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Uh, and then there's, of course, my website, bonnetheads.com, B-O-N-N-E-T-H-E-A-D-S, bonnetheads.com for all you prairie bonnetheads. And my information is up there with my newsletter and everything. So, yes. You're updating people all the time because of all the different places you're going to be in stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. I, have to, I send out a newsletter every month just so I can get them my schedule. Because your schedule is very busy. We appreciate the time. Absolutely. A lot of fun. And what'd you think of my first improv, a second improv? I've done wrestling, but never this. Not bad, right? Coming up the idea. Start. Now your accent started slipping in at one point. I thought, laughing. oh, good heavens, he's from New Delhi. Um, <laughs> he switched from London to New Delhi at one point. But you might meet a man from New Delhi in the London pubs. It's not really outside the Perhaps it was a man from New Delhi impersonating the Duke of York, which was a very interesting concept. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, you went, you went with it. You went with it. You persisted. You said, "I'm trying to get you a room." Yet you stuck with it. So I'll, I'll definitely give you points for that. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Great acting. You want acting advice? Definitely contact <laughs> Allison today. Appreciate it, Allison. Thanks again, Dr. Ted, for co-hosting with me. And take care, guys. Thank you. All right. You're listening All and right. watching The Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to The Neil Haley Show. And my guest today, I tell you what, uh, she's a media mogul, Alicia Curry. I'm excited for you to come on the show. And, you know, I see specifically enough books, everything. Wow. You're, you're out there. How did that journey begin? Tell us how it happened. Thank you so much, Neil. You know, it's interesting because I never thought 
that I would be an author. I never thought that I would be in media. I would be in front of the, in fact, I never even thought I'd be in front of a camera ever, ever, ever. Cause I struggle so much with my own confidence and being seen. And um, it was a real internal journey for me to even recognize how much I'd been hiding. Um, and this has only been in the last 10 years or so. So um, I didn't set out to be in the media. I didn't set out to be what I am today. But when I realized that that's really was my desire, I, I had to make some shifts and go after what it is I really wanted to do. So it's all about building your own confidence to do the thing you want to do. And that's so, basically so, so, the, so what made the shift, the shift were you in corporate? How, how was that shift? No, <clears throat> I wasn't in corporate. The shit, I had my own business. So I had a beauty business. Okay. Um, and I kept feeling that my clients who would come and sit in my chair and I would do hair and makeup on them, they always started. Well, not, I don't want to use the word always, but many of them would the majority of them would start with what can you hide? What can you cover up? Can you make this go away? Like they would always, and there I go again, using always. I had a predominance of this, um, hide this, get rid of this. Okay. And it made me wonder, why are these women thinking that, feeling that um, they're beautiful and I'm enhancing their beauty. I'm not trying to hide stuff. And when I wanted to grow my business some more, I hired a coach mm -hmm. and confronted the same exact thing I was hearing, except externally, internally, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And it, that's it, what helped me sense. make the shift. Because yeah. people block their thinking that they can grow but when they have an idea for business, they have an idea for specific things, what their mistake is, they feel that, yeah, I have a great idea, but yet if you want to ask them to give an elevator pitch on it or tell people about it, they're not confident to sell it to somebody. Right. And, and that comes from inside. It could definitely. And why do you think it comes in from, from inside? Because your self-image, your self-perception, it controls everything. That subconscious mind you know, over the years, I've done a lot of work, a lot of research, a lot of I read a lot on the subconscious mind and the triggers that we have. And and so you could say something on the outside, you can say something intellectually that's coming from your conscious mind. But if in the belief that you have about yourself and about that thing and the self image that you have is not in alignment with the words that you're saying, it's never going to come to pass because your results come from your subconscious mind. And that's the one thing I had to start looking at. What are my results? What are the results I've been getting? And why hasn't certain things worked? And it's because the, the image I had of myself was very low. And I had to dig all of that up. It's not a pleasant experience. <laughs> it's no fun. But one of my favorite quotes is by Leland Van Vanderwall. I have two very, very, um, that are very significant for me. And he says that the amount of, of uh, growth a person can experience is in direct proportion to the amount of truth they can accept about themselves without running away. And so if you can accept some of those truths about yourself and learn to grow from it, you, you know, sky's the limit. Wow. It's really reflecting on who you are and what you're trying to bring to the table in this world. And yet look at your weaknesses and understand them and be able to strengthen certain things while also, I guess, putting your ego to zero. Right. <laughs> we're going to we're going to do that. We're we have to do that in certain ways. All right. So you have to lay the ego aside. So and then when your journey changing your new shift the last 10 years, explain more what you do. Uh, about what I do now. Sure. So I, I work with corporate, oddly enough now, <laughs> and I also work with individuals, but it's, it's, we help organizations. So I'll give you my elevator pitch, right? Okay. <laughs> so we, we provide audacious solutions to those nagging and persistent people problems that clog your revenue pipeline in your organization. Mm -hmm. So we want to 
to look at the people issues, look at your goals and why are you not achieving the goals of your organization? Maybe you have the people in the wrong roles. Mm. That could be something. Okay. You have the wrong people in the wrong roles. You have the right people in your organization, but in the wrong roles. So we look at all their strengths and align them, their strengths to the things that they need to do to the goals that you have. Maybe the person you have is the wrong person in the wrong role. Okay. Right. And they don't need to be in the in the organization at all. Um, and then maybe there just needs to be some development within the people because they're having conflict and they don't understand where the conflict is coming from. So we can help them understand and resolve some conflict. We can help them communicate more effectively. And also we can help them with some leadership coaching, some um, skills coaching, um, you know, upskilling them a little bit. So so we really work with people because I am very passionate about people reaching their potential, understanding their potential mm-hmm. and stop hiding because I know what that is. I know what it feels like. I can recognize it. And I know um, I know that someone who has ambition and goals and they, they're trying to get up here. Right. They can't get up here if they continue to hold on to the things that's keeping them down here. Right. I understand right? I'm totally getting what you're saying. So you saw in your organization how you had certain mindset and things that were missing and then how you're building into your business. Now you're helping corporations, individuals to try to figure out where they're stuck at and how to grow from that. And specifically things. So in organizations, you always see it's a people problem. You see more than ever, or is it more of a, how that entrepreneur, that CEO, the C-suite is able to communicate with the rest of their team? What do you see? Both. I mean, it's a lot of it is communication issues. A lot of it is misunderstanding of how to communicate. And I'm certified in two specific uh, assessment tools that we use. We use Colby and we use Predictive Index. And the and we use other assessments as well, but these are the ones that I'm certified in. Some of the other team members that I have are certified in other things. Mm. But um, the reason I do that is because there are three parts of the mind, how we operate. We operate out of these three parts of our mind. We have the cognitive, how we think. Mm. We have our affective, which is how we feel. You know, everybody talks about emotional intelligence. So we have our IQ, we have our EQ, but we also have the way we are wired to do things instinctively. And that's the Colby piece. Um, And a lot of people don't understand that. And that's, that's the foundation of our communication method modes as well, how we communicate. And the minute people understand this doing part of the mind, when we unpack that for them, they realize they're having the wrong conversations. Like they're upset about the wrong things. Mm-hmm. They let it go into the affect. They let it go into their emotions when they're not understanding the foundation of where that conflict came from. And so once we we allow a team, the leader, and then the team to understand those communication gaps that they're having, the conversation changes completely and it's no longer a conflict issue It's more, there's so much more understanding that's built into it. And it just becomes a different conversation and an open, uh, less stressful, less tension in the conversation. Because now we understand each other and we know how to approach the the, the problem. So, Mm -hmm. and this will give you an example of me. I figured out myself this year when I took an assessment, I, t- I took the Gallup organization's talent right. uh, talent assessment, uh, and, and I was able to find out my number one talent is ideation. And I found out some other ones that keep me not stuck, but what maybe keep me understanding. I'm achiever. I'm a competitor. I have community. It's my top five communication right. and strategy. So it goes ideation, strategy, achiever, competitor, and lastly, uh, communication, which you think communication would be number one for me. But once I figured out ideation, I was able to help my clients much more because I bring a skill that, uh, that I need to keep, that t- a talent I need to keep developing yes. because ideation is my goldmine. It's right. where I come up with all these great ideas that a lot of people aren't idea people. Hey, they sit in front of a room and say, why is it when I get on a sales call with somebody or communicate with somebody, I'm able to figure out in seconds what they need? That's my yes. talent. I have ideation in mind too. I have 
activator and ideation. I, I've done tons of assess. I love assessments because it informs so much. It informs you about so many of your strengths. Right. And it's like, holy cow. And like, then you say, why do I want to sit working 16 hours a day? It's the achiever in me. Right. And the competitor in me does not like to always give people credit. So that <laughs> one is one that I need to let go. I, I got to see why Gallup even thinks it's a good talent, right? No, no, we, you know, you have to reframe it a little bit because sometimes what we believe something is, it it it's not necessarily all it is, right? right? So so something you might have an uh, a belief about that it's negative, you need someone with a different point of view to come show you how. Yeah, because I think some people look at competitors as a bad thing when it's a great thing for my clients because I always want my clients right. you want to them be to number win. one, to win. Right. It's, it's, it, when it, because there's a, the, yeah. right, the law of polarity, there's, a, there's always two opposites to everything. There's an opposite to everything. But if we keep focusing on one side of it, we don't get to see the other side. So there is, there's a positive and then there's a blind side. Right. You know, so, so, there's a negative to it. And a lot of times we focus on the negative. We don't see the positive or we focus on our positive right. and we don't see the, blind, the blinded. Do you believe we need to focus on the positive or, or just, or turn the negative into a positive? That's my last question. Cause I wish we had more time. Oh, okay. Cause we can talk. I'll have to come back. Yeah. yeah. Cause there are two things. So we talk about weaknesses. So it's focusing. We can focus on the positive, but we need to understand the negative. Mm. So we need to know both sides of it. So we know what to stay away from, especially when it comes to communicating with other people. If we know that, okay, I am, um, I am a, an activator, a forward thinker. Right. I move quickly, mm -hmm. but me moving quickly is a positive, but it can also leave people behind. So I need to be aware that I have to slow things down for other people to catch up. I need, so it's, it's important to be aware of how it can affect other people, but lean into your strength and keep it top of mind for you um, so that so that you can continue to be your authentic self, but recognize people around you when that can impact them in a negative way. I like the whole thing you talk about authentic self. That's the important thing. You got to be authentic self. If you're not excited about what you're doing and what you're doing, no one's going to buy into it. Right. Your exactly. Team is not going to buy into it or anything. So you talk about the IQ, which we all understand. The EQ is, I really love to have you back on to talk about the EQ. And then the last part is the secret sauce that you need to contact her for. So where is the best place people can find information on you? So you're an organization an individual that's trying to get through understanding how they can perform better in business and in life, where's the best place? Alicia360.com. So my website is listed there. All my social media is listed there. So that's like the easiest place to, to reach me. All right. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you so much, Neil. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show. And you know, when I think about specifically enough anti-aging, and reversing aging process, I really am looking forward towards that. I'm going to turn 50 in January, and I have been focusing more and more on my health and trying to find ways to feel younger again. And I mean, it's an interesting thing, and it's a process because if you're an entrepreneur, you got, you have to take care of your health. You have to work out. I've lost X amount of weight, lifting trying to get in the shape that I was in my 30, 20s and 30s. And I'm excited to welcome my guest, who's an expert in this, uh, Dr. Christine Ott. Uh, Dr. Christine, how are you? Thanks for stopping by. That's great. Thanks for having me, Neil. Oh, my gosh. Didn't you talk about it? I saw your background again as an orthopedic surgeon. Whoa. And you went into anti-aging. So that was an interesting shift. What was, and you still do both, but what, what was the reason you decided to do that? So I had my second daughter, in 2003 and after i delivered her i just didn't feel well i started losing my hair i started uh my skin kind of looked gray i lost a lot of energy i was fatigued and it got worse and worse where i couldn't even go to work oh so, no uh and i went to of course being a physician i went to my physician friends there were internists and family doctors, and they said, there's nothing wrong with you. 
Uh, we can't find anything wrong with you. Your thyroid looked fine. Your everything looked okay. So what I did was started researching on my own because I knew I was not feeling well. And I kept researching and talking to a lot of people. And I finally found out um, after a lot of time and effort that I had hormone imbalances. And it took about three months of treating my hormone imbalances. And I was back to normal, right back to work, seeing uh, patients and doing everything. And that kind of taught me that I needed to switch my focus a little and needed to take care of myself, but also wanted to reach out to other people who are not feeling well and know there's something wrong with them, but mainstream medicine is telling them they're fine, that I really felt like I had a new mission to get out and help some of these people. So I went and uh, did some training at first and a bioidentical hormone replacement therapy then followed it up with a full fellowship with the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine with the board certification. Wow. So you figured this out. What things are people surprised about? You figured it out, changed your life again, health-wise, and you went on this mission. What do you think people are missing when they think about hormone imbalance that they really don't think about? You know, and this is not just happens to women, it happens to men, which is surprising. And I've learned more about what that's about from just basically checking out and hearing from people I've interviewed. So when you hit around 40 years old, you just start not feeling yourself. You start not feeling right. And you lose your vitality, you lose energy. You're not as sharp in the boardroom. A lot of men uh, lose lip, you know, sharpness in the boardroom, also decrease libido, irritability. And women start to get hot flashes, night sweats, wrinkles, irritability. And what people don't realize is that this is, although it is considered normal, it, it's reversible. And so really every... I, I tell 100% of people that are over 40 that they really need to get their hormones checked because that's when you're starting to really feel the effects of the hormones dropping that started when you were 25. So it, it's for everyone. It's for women and men and some people, even some younger people are younger than 40. Why don't they test this like being in a regular doctor's office? What's, what's the reason? Well, your mainstream doctors, unfortunately, including uh, a lot of OB guys, I went to my the first person I went to when I started feeling badly was my obstetrician gynecologist. And he's a fantastic person, but they are not trained in hormone balance. That is not where they're trained. They're trained in surgery and, and examinations. And so what you really need to do is see someone who is trained in hormone balance. And what happens is you go to a lot of people just go to their mainstream doc and expect them to test their hormones. And what they'll do, they'll run just a regular profile for your thyroid, which will not pick up uh, low T3 and uh, functional reasons why you, your thyroid is low. They, they just do a couple of, they do the TSH, the T4. And if those are normal, that's it. They stop. Your, and what they also know and, and they agree with is that your hormone levels decline with age and that's normal. So, and what mainstream medicine and insurance companies do is say, well, you are normal. So there's no reason to treat normal. Well, normal means you're dropping your hormones starting at age 25. You're becoming symptomatic by age 40 and you're dead by age 79. And that's what they expect. So you have to kind of step oh out. Yeah. yeah, you kind of have to step out of this mainstream thinking that, you know, you're going to feel terrible when you get older, you're going to lose your eyesight, you're going to get wrinkles, you're going to get joint stiffness, you're going to not feel as good. And that's just not true. These things are reversible. And you just have to go to someone who understands the medicine and the biology, the physiology and the treatment behind these disorders, which unfortunately is not your mainstream doctor right now. Have you seen people that have gone to get their hormones tested in their 40s that don't have this? Or is most most people do? What percentage do you see that have hormone imbalance when they go to get tested? I would say 99% of people have 
uh, low levels. And what we mean by low, another thing that's really important to qualify is that mainstream medicine has laboratories that tell you, for example, let's pick testosterone. Normal is between 300 and 1100. So if you go in and you're 40 years old and you're not feeling well and you can tell your doctor, you know, over the last five years, I've lost energy. I can't think as fast. And I'm getting wrinkles. I, uh, I'm gaining weight. I'm getting belly. I've been working out all the time. I've been eating right. And I'm still not where I want to be. And it's just not fair. And they'll check your testosterone level and they'll say, well, you're 300, you're normal. But what is true, what we know as hormone balancing specialists is maybe your normal is the 1100. So what we need to do is make sure that you find what your normal is, not just that you fall into this normal bell curve of a range. So you have to not only be tested, but you have to have a practitioner that understands how to review the results. That's right. And you could get a natural saying your, your average testosterone for your age. And yet ultimately that average is not what you want. You want results of feeling still young. And as you said, reversing aging and people just aren't understanding that can happen through experts like yourself going and checking out. So it's, it's interesting. You said 99%. That's amazing to think about so that hopefully more and more doctors like yourself will be around. People will choose the alternative than going to their other people saying, Hey, this is just part of life. Just age. That's it. Because again, you know, it's just like going through a cycle, right? 79, you're dead. Boom. Next person. Instead of really becoming who you are and enjoy growing older and still feeling young. So where's the best place people can check you out and stuff? Where, where can you go to find out more information on you? So the youthrx.com, T-H-E-Y-O-U-T-H-R-X.com is my website and is my business website and also drott.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-O-T-T.com. And we see we are accepting new patients and you can at least look on our website, read about the different hormones, the different symptoms and see if you fit any of those. And I will tell you that, that most people do. And we, we get a lot of patients from uh, just reading through and understanding. And then we do a 15 minute discussion with every patient just to see if, you know, they want to start and they're, they're a good match and right for us. And uh, most people are. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Great information. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. It's a pleasure talking with you, Neil. All right. You're listening to the Neil Haley show. We'll be back and just we're back to the Neil Haley show. And you know what? This story is quite interesting. Somebody who uh, had successful law practice sold it and went on to live the life and dream he wanted, but also had a successful law practice. So he's multiple different stories. So it's like, welcome to the program, uh, law, 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 former lawyer and entrepreneur, Mike Chastain. Mike, what's up? How are you? I'm great, Neil. It's a real pleasure to be here today. So, you know, tell me that, like, you know, the whole thing, when you were a lawyer, you didn't want to put yourself out there at all, right? pretty much unless you were promoting your law firm it, marketing and law don't really mix sometimes does it well you know you do have to have a brand uh in order to bring clients in and and you have to uh, promote your reputation but as a general rule especially the kind of work that i did i was a criminal defense attorney um being in the press generally wasn't good for my clients so uh, yeah, I wasn't doing a lot of things, although I did do a, I had a radio show that I did for four years. Um, you know, we did a fair amount of marketing. I mean, you do need to, um, get your name out there so that clients show up. Well, so the best lawyers, I guess you were one of the best, meaning you did well for yourself. A lot of them don't do the proper marketing. They don't understand about personal branding. They're afraid to personal brand themselves. So it seemed like outside the box, you knew that importance. There are people, trust me, I know defense attorneys like the or ones that are hurt in an accident in Pittsburgh. If you ever gone to Pittsburgh, Edgar Schneider is the biggest known commodity in Pittsburgh. There's someone in every place that, hey, that's the brand for law. Right. Okay. So you do you understood some of it, your own radio show, 
you really knew branding before podcasting. So it's not the biggest challenge for you to get out there and talk to people at that minute, it sounds like. No, well, it, it was for a while, Neil. So, you know, when I, I so I originally started in the public defender's office, I did about 17 years there. And then I was in another firm that had a rainmaker that had been around for a long time. I opened my firm in 2007. And I did have this belief that just because I was good at what I did, that people would somehow magically know about that and contact me. Um, it took me a number of years to really figure this out that no, that's not the case. You got to get your name out there. You've got to brand yourself um, and you've got to let people know, hey, this, these are the services I offer and these are the kind of results that you know, we historically get. Um, and once I, I kind of cracked that code a little bit, I was able to um, you know, really grow the firm to a, to a point where you know, we were doing routinely seven figures every year with just a couple lawyers. And uh, you know, we, were, we were quite successful for sure. Very good. And so all that. So then you made the choice to sell it. And then you, you early, right? Not you got out earlier than some, right? Well, I, I've, I've been practicing for 37 years, so I don't know how early you, know, you look a lot younger than that, man. Well, I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm 62. You do um, not look 62. So, I, I thought you were in your 50s. I'm serious. So, yeah, what, well, what, 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 I, what, yeah, go ahead. Well, I appreciate that. I, you know, I've, I've always uh, worked hard to take care of myself. When I, when I hit 60, I began to, you know, think about, um, you know, were there other things that I wanted to do? It really wasn't a, a factor that I didn't like practicing law, um, but there were other things that I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, it'd be a long story, but basically uh, my wife and I decided we wanted to move to Santa Fe, New Mexico from Sacramento, California. And, in order to make that happen, uh, I'd have to, you know, sell the practice. So I've sold it. I still remain what they call of counsel. So um, I still get to use some of my experience and help the other lawyers that are involved. But from the day, you know, the day-to-day -day practice, I'm not doing that. I'm not in the courtroom anymore. So that's, um, you know, that was kind of the progression. And, and that all started this year. So selling the practice, how challenging is that? Because again, when anyone sells a business and if they're going to buy Mike Chastain and what he's done and he's no longer there, you better have a system in place that shows your value system, what you bring to the table, the results you bring. And that's any business. If you're going to look to sell a business, they better, whoever buys that business, have the same mentality that can be systematically repeated over and over and over again. That's like, for me, I'm trying to figure all that out in my entrepreneur journey. Now I've created a certain system. How if tomorrow I drop dead, God forbid it could happen, you know, what do I do next? And that's why no one invests in companies unless they have two partners in an organization. How did you sell that to people to see, hey, you know, even I'm leaving, you're going to have a still successful, thriving practice, and I'm going to be here to hold your hand till one point I won't have to. Right. So, I mean, you, you, you nailed the, the, the main thing is you got to have the systems in place. Um, when we sold the firm, it really was turnkey. I mean, all they had to do was come in and follow the systems. Uh, they made a few little uh, minor changes, but for the most part, um, all the employees stayed, all the systems stayed in place. Um, and, you know, that was really critical. The, the other part was, that I had all the data. I had been collecting um, every piece of data that I could possibly get on the firm for the past six or seven years. And so I could show this history of growth and how these systems actually work. So, um, you know, Martin Jones who purchased our firm, um, so it went from being Chastain Law to being Chastain Jones. So my name is still there to, to draw in the uh, clients, um, but he'll do better than a million dollars this year um, right out of the gate. And that's for a small criminal defense firm. That's extraordinary. Wow. And so you got to credit yourself for what you did. So you just turned it over and that's it. That's the best business to buy, especially boom, you're, you're, you're there. Was he not a partner with you ever? So he just came in out of, so you, when you were looking to sell the firm. So what I did is, is, um, when I, when I first decided to sell it, I, uh, asked myself who in the area do I think would be a good um, fit for this? 
Uh, he was uh, working in the public defender's office. I knew Martin. I knew he was a, a really fine lawyer. And so I just asked him, would you be interested? And the timing was right. Um, so he joined the firm for about three or four months just as an associate, just to make sure it was a good fit. Um, we worked out all the details. We got a lawyer to you know, put together our contracts. And starting the 1st of uh, 2022, so January 1, um, everything shifted over. And I stayed um, in California for uh, about six months on and off finishing cases that I had you know, promised the clients that I would personally handle. Uh, and I still have one left. I still got, I got to go back the first of the year and finish one case um, uh, to do. So I'm not completely out, but yeah. I won't be back in California until, you know, end of January. Did you watch the Lincoln lawyer on uh, Netflix? Did you get the chance to see that yet? I didn't watch it on Netflix. I saw the original movie with McCullough Hayes though. Okay. So what do you, is that the kind of day in the life of a defense attorney in certain ways and defending people? No. No, yeah. you know, first of all, we didn't work out of a car. Um, we have a, we had a very nice office. Um, Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. 